an 07 Sterling Sweep, a conversation with Texas prep star Zane Bellow, and my team's going back to practice. It's TX Water Polo Podcast, James Smith in Austin, Joe Linehan in North Texas. Um, some kind of big news this week, but what, what's been going on with you, Joe? I just talked to a bunch of clubs and just trying to figure out how are, how is everybody going to return to play, but I think you have already got that figured out. Well, the biggest news I think of the week is that I got a haircut today, which you have no idea like how important that is. If you think it's uh, uh, you know the, the big things that matter, it's the little things that matter, but no. In addition to that, we have news that my club, Aquatex, is going back to practice on Monday, um, obviously, and that brings up all kinds of information from people. <laughs> they want to know how that works, like if they can get in on it, and so on and so forth. But um, with your guidance, actually, and uh, the guidance of the city of Round Rock and my boss, uh, Mark, who's the swim coach, we're, we're going to get back in on Monday. I'm not even entirely positive what we're going to do. I can tell you we'll be doing some goggle time because my, my guys are out of shape, but yeah, it's it's exciting. I mean, from from my understanding, it's possible we're maybe the first, if not among the first teams in the entire country to get back in the pool. I think you're definitely the first team in Texas to do it, and right. probably probably one of the first five or so across the country. I've heard of maybe one or two others that have started, or they or I heard that they might be starting. But yeah, that this is yeah this is kind of exciting. This is a this is a lot of fun. So, what type of guidelines has the city of Round Rock kind of given you? Yeah, so their their guidelines, and this again applies really more more to the swim team that that started practice last week. Actually, um, where we are spread out over two pools, but they they were able to get into one of their pools with the with these kinds of rules, which is, you know, for swim sets, you know, everybody is on opposite ends of the pool. You know, it's restricted to a certain number. I think the city of Round Rock said 25 total, but I think it's fewer than that. And so the practices are obviously scattered throughout the day. The, um, the locker rooms are closed except for the toilets and th- those get, you know, disinfected after every single practice, which is every 90 minutes or so, something like that. Do you um, have to do the disinfecting? Yes, actually I do. Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny, uh, but I actually, you know, what are you going to do? You, it's, it's a, it's worth it. It's really no, worth it. No, 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 yeah. no. Get it. It's, it's, it's also the little things that yes. parents and athletes kind of may not kind of understand that yeah you just have to go through no but yeah right. there is there's lots there's lots to think about there's the drop off yep there's the pickup the kids there's... yeah the kids can't be out there slapping butts out in front of the pool and stuff like yep. that um there's the you can't use the bathroom right. except in, in emergencies your bags have to be six feet apart you know you can't have a team meeting on deck like a like a normal team meeting everybody has to be spread out i mean there's a there's lots and lots to think about it's it, i am very interested to see how it goes yeah yeah with you because then we could use you as a model on what to do or what not to do yeah me too i was gonna have to require a little bit of inventiveness about what it is we can get because my understanding as well is that you know isn't there a club in utah we talked about last week and they were instructed or by whoever oversees that facility that they couldn't pass the ball back and forth and that is not the case in the city of Round Rock, from my understanding. And so, you know, I, I and there, there, there's so many variables to take into account, right? I mean, so it, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. We're only going to be doing it twice a week for the time being until we figure out how to do it better. But yeah, it's super exciting, actually. I'm really pleased to go back. And, and, and I assume all the coaches have to have masks on. You're only going to have your coaches and your kids. There's probably no room for other teams just yet, at least as you start, correct? 
Yeah, as far well, our limit is between 10 and 25. I have to confirm that with the city. So that makes it so that it's entirely likely that we'll just have our own club people. Um, they are obviously my priority is the is those kids first. Um, but yeah, that's that's entirely true. As a matter of fact, about the face coverings, I don't foresee us having multiple coaches anytime soon. It's possible, but um, one coach it seems to me is going to be sufficient. So it'll be either me or my assistants that'll be doing that. But uh, yeah, it's it's um, it was really it was almost like. I, I was almost reluctant to hear the news that we're getting back in because you do have to deal with all these things. But the the truth is that as far as like your the kids are concerned, it's like they're they're itching to go. So this is good. And you know, and I think we joked about this kind of kind of off air. You know, come the middle of June, it's going to be everybody's going to forget what happened, and you can go do whatever you want to do, kind of moving forward or. Something bad's gonna happen. Not, not at your pool, yeah, necessarily, but just in general, as far as it's gonna be like there's gonna be another peak or something like that, right. and there's gonna be no more water pole for months and months. Right. Yeah. 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 No, but no, but it's no, but it's 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 uh, very exciting. I hope. Have you got lots of positive feedback from your parents? Not yet. I mean, and and I don't mean to say that they have been negative. It's just that we we've I've been holding off on any sort of very deep communications with them until I have more details about what we're going to do. And literally, you and I have been talking th today about the details. And I spoke with my boss this morning about the details. So now I have some more information and we'll do our Zoom call tomorrow on on Wednesday. And uh, and then we'll, we'll cover that and we'll see what they say. But uh, all we can do is basically take into account what the city is telling us we can do. And that's it. We're going to have something to talk about next week for sure. So. Yeah, we will. It's going to be hilarious to see. You see it. Cause I think you're hinting at this too. It's like, it's not as though just because we're going to open up that all of our kids are going to show up. Like they may not, they might yeah. choose that this is not the, you know, it's, it's a risk. They're not worth, not willing to take totally but, fine. Yeah. But on the flip side, there's a ton of kids out there yeah. that, don't have an opportunity to do anything right now. And their parents yeah. are like, water polo? What's that? I'm going to send my kid. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, so sure. there's opportunities everywhere. And yeah. um, it's just, of course, I mean, we're, we're kind of making light of the situation kind of a little bit, but I know you're going to do what's best in the, uh, in the, in the safety for the athletes and parents and your coaches and such. So, and that's going to be the number one thing kind of moving forward. So. For sure. No, no doubt about it. So yeah, good times. Um, a couple other things. One was that uh, this last week that uh, our colleague Chris Cullen um, hosted. Uh, you, you describe it for me because it was basically just a get together of former Thunder players who are in college. Yeah. So what uh, Chris did was he just had his former players and and he had a whole bunch of uh, kind of current Thunder players and, and he just asked and he and he just kind of did a roundtable and he asked the different. Uh, um, kind of college athletes, you know, some questions regarding, so what's the hardest part of college? So, oh, kind of what about the recruiting aspect? Kind of, kind of what do you miss about clubs? So how is college different than club? And just had a whole series of questions. And it was very kind of, and I thought it was very good information. Now, I helped coach a lot of those kids, so I had a, a little bit of a biased opinion about sure. it. But like, you know, it's one of those things where I thought it was good. And I think you're going to post it on the TX Waterpool website, right? 
Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, no, I'm behind on that stuff. You already scolded me earlier for this, but so it's totally true. I'm way behind. So yeah, we, we have that, some other stuff that we're going to post. Um, we're going to go into detail about my conversation with Zane Bilal, and that'll be going up soon as well. But um, yeah, it's it's that. And who, I don't, I, I suppose we're going to publicize it, so it's not as though these, these people can't be identified. Who... Which schools were represented on this call and by whom, if you can recall? For the Thunder call? Yeah. I mean, there was the athletes that were on it were Aaron Weiser from Wagner um, mm. College. Great. There was Catherine Cullen from Pomona Pitzer. There was Presley Woods and um, <clears throat> and Lexi Wong and some others from Austin college and Brett Skinner from Austin college and Max right. Wade from Austin college. Yeah. Um, there was, um, <clears throat> Zach Lowry from, from Cal Baptist. There was Galen who from Brown. Cool. Um, there was Zach Shelley from air force Academy. Great stuff. That's just off the top of my head. That's great. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea is that the, the, sorry you if know, I left you. Yeah. No, of course. Well, again, we're going to publish it. So you'll see everyone, but it's interesting to, 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 sort of see the breadth of schools that are represented by Texas athletes. So very cool. We're going to post that this come well, uh, tomorrow, maybe something like that. Um, that'll be available. And um, also apparently a couple of Texas athletes were interviewed recently by USA water polo. Um, who are they? So USA water polo did an at home segment yesterday, uh, Instagram live kind of, interview with some high school seniors from around the country. Mm. They did a couple from Texas, a couple from Missouri, a couple from Tennessee who played a very little or missed a significant chunk of their spring season. So um, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but um, it's going to be able to be found at that, at the USA water pool YouTube channel. Um, it was Abigail Shelby from St. Agnes Academy cool. in Houston okay. and Cameron and Cameron Cullen from Denton Geyer in North Texas. So. Never heard of him. Don't know who that guy is. Yeah. Um, we'll, and again, we'll, we'll put those in a post and put those up uh, by tomorrow as well. Um, other news is that the all American high school uh, list came out. It's, well, it's, uh, it's, it's not the list that came out. It's yeah, it's the nominations. Are oh, it is upcoming Friday. Oh, yeah. okay. Niska and Niska is the organization. It's a, it's sort of Tiska with an N. Yeah. And there's a little bit of, I mean, I don't know all the details, but I do know that they're not necessarily including a lot of the sp- like like the spring season water polo teams out there um only people that could have uh that um <clears throat> that uh, might have been a, that that might have made an all-american list previously mm-hmm. or made an all-state list previously are going to be eligible mm-hmm. so you know there's going to be some uh kind of back and forth as far as that's concerned and there was some there was even talk about not even including them at all Wow. So at least they were able to get at least they were able to get those athletes there somehow. So um, but yeah, so those nominations are due this upcoming Friday. Um, and there's normally a nice there's probably like uh, normally set probably seven or eight from the Texas kind of area yeah. on the All-American list for that's that's the seven or eight boys and girls this year. We might be a lot less than that. Okay. So. Something for us to keep an eye on that because uh, we'll complain about that if that happens. Um, at least I will. In the meantime, um, Coaches to Coaches is still going on on TXWaterPolo.com. There's a bunch of uh, videos that are out there. Last week was Daniel Cox, who uh, used some spiffy software apps to uh, to diagram stuff in the front court and uh, center defense. Uh, that was the focus, actually, is center defense. Um, and this week is Coach Alex from Pegasus. 
Yeah, so eventually, uh, you know, James is going to get the Dow, yeah, the Daniel Cox thing up on the website, I hope. Yeah, so, eventually. Um, um, and, uh, <clears throat> and, but Coach Alex Stankovic from St. Mark's and Pegasus is going to go over goalie basics this upcoming Thursday at 12, at 12.30 p.m. And then ho- we're working on the specifics, but we're probably going to go to twice a week starting next week for the coaches to coaches, at least, at least for two or three weeks until, you know, that first week of June. But we're just, uh, we have a lot of people that want to share. So it's great. It's yeah. And I'm getting lots and lots of positive feedback on it. So good. Yeah. I, I've heard the same thing. Um, not nearly as much as you have probably, but yeah, it's been very good. Actually, it gets a little bit of national publicity as well. So, which is, which is nice um, to, to see. Yeah. Um, we're getting coaches from East coast, West coast and all over the place. It's great. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Um, town hall tonight, um, featuring two of the finest humans on the planet. That would be, uh, me and Chris Cullen, I guess. Is that right? Yes. We, we are going to be focusing on ODP tonight. So you being the boys head coach in the zone and Chris being the girls head coach in the zone, we're going to do all about, uh, all about the ODP program tonight. The Southwood zone. I better study. I better learn what this program is all about. Apparently. Well, do you know, you've had five years, so there you go. I, uh, I can't either. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's yeah. all good. It's, it's uh, well, be fun. We, we've had some great conversations so far. We, there's some changes in the way that we're going to administer things, and so it'll be a very interesting conversation. Um, and uh, I'm I'm excited. My role is going to be changed a little bit this year. I remember last year I made this announcement and then ended up doing exactly the same as I did before. But I'm I'm going to be more of a technical director this year. We're going to. Um, this is a scoop in case anybody's listening, but. Hire another coach to be one of the the age groups head coaches on the boys side, and then I'll sort of oversee the technical stuff for both the boys and girls. Um, that's one topic of conversation tonight. But yeah, that's that's a little bit of a change in the program. Yeah, it's no. There's I think there's lots of positive changes kind of coming up for this upcoming fall, as long as we can actually have the camps, which yeah. is the big thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that each year the ODP program gets better and better, and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more kids out there at the Austin camp in September. I and then we're going to have a, and then we're going to have a Houston camp in October. And then we're going to have a North Texas camp in November. So, oh, um, you know, and there's the, there was the new trip to Utah that, yeah, this past year that was, yeah, that we'll that talk about. Um, there is nothing new as far as the front, as far as scheduling for the girls ODP national champs or the right. boys, uh, kind of national team selection camp. Yep. But, you know, we're going to talk about what we can talk about. So. Yeah, that's September camp, man. It's, uh, you know, we every year U, UT, University of Texas, has been very good to us about uh, their facility. And it's very popular. It's in, you know, Central Texas. So people like to come to Central Texas. But, oh, boy, I don't know if it's going to be ready by then. You know me. Sometimes I'm the half full glass guy. And so I'm, I am worried about it. But I'm, I'm trying to keep an optimistic face on it. I'm sure it'll work. So. Yeah. All right. Um, let's come back with results from the, the finals. It's over. The best of Texas tournament. We'll be Great. right back. Right about now, you might be expecting some song and dance about a product you don't need. Well, shush, we don't advertise here, and we want to keep it that way. So we sure would appreciate your help. Show your support by going to TXWaterPolo.com forward slash donate so we can keep covering the sport we love in the great state of Texas. Hey, this is Jesse Smith, recent Pan Am gold medalist. 
I was just checking out Texas Water Polo from the TX Water Polo Podcast. Also, you can check out their website. You can follow me at GoSmith now. Thanks, guys. James and Joe back with you. The Best of Texas tournament is over. It's finished. Five weeks into it, basically, right? And uh, hundreds and hundreds of votes. We had, again, another big turnout this week. Thousands Thousands of votes. That's right. Um, Thousands of votes since we started. So we're absolutely grateful to everybody who's taken part. We made a little bit of a buzz in the state, and now we have winners. And are they a surprise, Joe? Uh, You've said from the very beginning that the 07 teams were very good. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not either. Um, it's it, the boys uh, won 93 to 7 percent, and and um, and the girls won 88 to 12 percent over the 01 um, the 01 boys, right? So um, a ve- obviously a more than solid turnout. But there are your champions. The it's a it's a sweep for the year of 2007 for for Baytown Sterling. I think if you asked the people that were part of the 2007 team and the people that are part of the 2014 team for Sterling for girls. Yeah. I think they would easily admit that the 2007 team was better. Okay. On, 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 I mean, they both had some very dominant players in Amy Olson in 2007 and Kelly Woodruff in 2014, but the overall depth and uh, like, you know, like the bench and everything was so much stronger right. in 2007, in my opinion. Um, as far as the 2001 boys versus 2007 boys, I honestly didn't see the 2001 boys. Mm. So Justin Pudwell said that they were kind of one of the better teams that, yeah, kind of that he's seen. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I might be a little biased, but, you know, I, I mean, I saw that 2007 team and they were strong. And, I mean, I think, you know, even that's, I mean, there were two strong teams. Like you had the 2006 Side Creek team. Yeah. You know, that was strong, and they lost to what in the semifinals, I guess. Um, and the 2007 team and the 2006 Sterling team, I think that that Zane matches on, on his on the interview, they might have been even better then. Yeah, so, that's what he said. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not surprised at all. I'm not yeah. surprised at all. Very so, cool. So, did you get any comments during this whole last, like, yeah, like the last four or five weeks from voters? Yeah, from voters or people that, why is my team left out and stuff like that? Oh, not really. I mean, once the first couple rounds were done, then they understood, you know, this is the, the limitation of what we have. But it was we had that really good feedback by a few people. It's like, this this is a team that you left out, and th- these are teams for you to consider. And then, like you're suggesting, I mean, Zane actually brought up himself because I, I wanted to speak with him about this 07 team that turned out to be so good. And he, he started by saying, well, you can't talk about that team unless you talk about the 06 team. And he said, we were probably even better then. It's just we had injuries and then they had, an un, for them, an unfortunate loss in the semifinals in states. But they, you know, aside from that, he, he thought that that was even a more dangerous team than the 07 one. So good feedback. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, and just congrats. Scott Slay, who was the head coach for both those teams, and all the players from the 2007 girls and all the players from the 2007 boys. And really, just just kind of thank you to everybody that voted. I think there's been a lots of buzz online, on social media. It's been great. And I've heard 
95% positive stuff, uh, uh, like, like just about it. So I've been very happy with it. <laughs> it, it was, uh, I'm telling you, it was so educational for me, like, cause I, you know, a lot of the stuff I didn't really know about. And so getting basically just getting a crash course in what the sport has looked like in the state for the last 30 years, including, like I said, I just, I found the conversation with Tom and Doug Andrew to be absolutely fascinating, you know? So Thank you to everybody for participating. That was really fun. I mean, I don't see us doing that anytime soon. Hopefully there's never going to be one of these uh, virus breakouts again, but um, that was really cool. But but what we're going to do is next week, as we mentioned, or maybe the week after, we'll see about that, is start to talk about the best programs of Texas. So so just as an example, that let's just say that 06, 07 you know, period of time for the Sterling boys – Maybe they're the best team of that decade. Maybe not. Maybe they're the best team or best program of the in, in, entire history of Texas high school water polo. Maybe not. But we're looking for your feedback, and obviously Joe has some opinions, and he's been around for a long time too. No, I mean, and I'm looking forward to just having that discussion because there's been lots of dominant teams. Yes. And like, and we say dominant teams. It's not just uh, <clears throat> it's not just winning one in a row. You know, it's gonna it's gonna be winning probably multiple high school state championships over a number of years. Um, and uh, I mean, that includes like, I, I know we've talked about this, the Clark and Marshall teams from yep. the, like the eighties uh, in San Antonio, there was the clear Creek girls from the seventies. You know, there was the A&M consolidated boys from the seventies. You know, um, there was the Sterling girls from 2007 to basically 2014. You know, that was a great program. There's the clear Lake boys from the nineties. There was the St. Mark's boys from the mid 2000s on. Yeah. Till yeah, till now. So I mean, there's a ton of great programs out there, um, and we'll just acknowledge the you know the significant ones, and then we'll just take some time to talk about each of them. So yeah, the feedback from from our listeners is going to be really key to that. Is is maybe there because it's it's as we just said, like the people brought up some teams that maybe didn't get a consideration for the brackets that we put together, but it's only fair to have, to have them involved in the, in these programs. So yeah, good times. Um, and you spoke with, uh, you know, your interview with Amy Olson was really cool. I, I put it out there with a particular focus on getting her, you know, the Iona fans to, um, to take a listen. So um, that interview was already done, and she was on that team in 07 um, and got really good feedback so far about that as well. Yeah, and I, and, and I thought it was fascinating because uh, Amy's probably one of the most decorated kids that's ever played from Texas. Um, you know, she's All-American in, yeah, in college, all like, all conference obviously she was a three times all state player here in texas but then she got to play professional water polo which is fascinating yeah and it was i mean and it wasn't like a professional water polo where you just go kind of coach and play a little bit for a summer and then come back no this was like her full-time job right and then and yeah and then she even used that to go to uh yeah to go to grad school um and get flown on the weekends to go play her games yeah, it's so cool. I mean, it, I mean, that's yeah, and that's like the VIP treatment, and you don't hear that a whole lot from anybody from the United States, yeah, let alone somebody from Texas. Yeah, and I thought that was a huge highlight of that interview last week. So, you know, there's there's a conversation for us to have at some point. Um, when I was especially back in California, and I was surrounded by uh, the, my friends who had played professionally in Europe. 
they shared some stuff about Americans playing in Europe that were really fascinating, and it might be worthy of conversation at some point. But there, well, that's a little tease. We can talk about that at some point in the future. Um, and I'm and I'm looking forward to t- kind of hearing the whole kind of the interview with Zane. Yeah, Zane's a great kid. He's in med school now. Um, I mean, he went out and played at USC, which you know he. I mean, he didn't just go out to USC and play and kind of pass the ball around and shoot some and be in a practice dummy. No, he went out there and he played. He earned his playing time. He played. He won four NCAA championship rings. He, um, he, I, I saw him play. And so we talk about that game because he came up to Stanford and it was a five to three loss. USC's one, one of only two losses that season for USC. And they did win a national championship when it was over. That conversation turned more fascinating than I expected because I was on the side of the pool that the Stanford fans were the most heckling. It's where the benches were. And I realized that those fans, they sit right over the teams. And so, you know, you, you can really get barking over that side. But apparently the barking went a little further than I expected, especially for, for Stanford kids. So, go, you know, we're going to queue up the excerpts of my conversation with Zane. But I should also say that I'm pushing out the entire interview for our donors who we are – obviously extremely um, grateful for. So they're going to get that today on Tuesday. They're going to get access to the entirety of that. And it is fascinating. He's um, he, he, I put him on the spot too, because I asked him if he thought he was the best player to ever come out of the, uh, out of Texas. And you know, nobody's going to answer that question, but he said he was part of that conversation. And I think that's fair, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. He had the size and I, he was smart. He had the speed and he had the toughness and the work ethic. And he really had the mindset as well, because you have to have a certain mindset to go play at a place like USC or yeah. UCLA or or the quote unquote top four or the big four. And, you know, I mean, Zane was coming out and I was talking to him like he talked to a, a lot of people myself, Scott Slay. And, you know, it, I've talked to I had talked to t- kind of kind of other kids who are thinking about going to USC, but they may not have had the proper mindset. So I was talking to Zane and I just I, I just asked him a couple of different occasions and he and he had the proper mindset and I said, go for it. I mean, and I mean, he was he was set. He was ready to go. And because I don't think people understand there were what there were 30, 40 incoming freshmen in his incoming freshman class. Well, what, what my, I don't want to argue, but the, the, the number that I heard was 16, which was published in a Sports Illustrated interview that we that we actually covered during that conversation. And it's possible that there were more, but that the 16 were the one who hung out and were redshirt freshmen because the rest of them could have gotten weeded out entirely. Of but course. that group of, of 16 of those freshmen the, that redshirted could have won a national championship on their own. Like there was huge talent on that team. Yeah, exactly. But it, but it, but it does take. You have to go in there, and then, then you're not only in, like you're not only going against the other, you know, the like the 20, 30 other incoming freshmen. Right. But you're also going into the 20, 30 incoming freshmen from the next year, and the other 20, 30 kids that are already there on the team. That's right. Yeah. So, and and this is a yearly thing, and you have to fight for your right to play, and that is the closest thing to big time college football that we have in water polo is a program like UCLA, a program like UCLA. Or, yeah. or like or like USC and UCLA. I mean, and, you know, and 
although Jovan's kind of not there, but Jovan was not the easiest player or the easiest coach to, to yeah, yeah, to play for. So we we go into great detail about that. Yeah. And so I will. I am looking forward to hearing it. So very good. All right. Well, then that's enough of us yammering about it. We'll come back and uh, excerpts from that conversation with Zane Bilal next. Hey, this is Mark Lawrence from Austin College, head coach of the men's and women's Warflow programs and home of our kangaroos. When I'm interested in uh, what's going on with Texas Warflow, I always listen to TX Warflow podcast. Two thousand seven, Tisco Waterpolo Most Valuable Player, three-time NCAA champion at USC, and considered among the best ever to come out of the state of Texas. It's Zane Bilal. How are you doing, Zane? I'm good. How about yourself? Well, <laughs> as good as can be expected, being locked <laughs> up in the house. Although things are opening up, we'll, we will—that's uh, going to be a topic of conversation for the next podcast with Joe. Is to talk about is I found out some stuff about my my club, which is actually quite encouraging. So, what about for you? Um, you are in Lubbock, correct? And uh, what has that been like? Because you're in the midst of your med school career, basically, and uh, obviously this has thrown everyone for a loop. What are what? How has it affected you? Yeah. So typically, right now, I'd be finishing up my third year. Uh, I'd be in the hospital. Um, doing some clinical rotations, but right now I'm actually home in Baytown um, and I'm doing class virtually through Zoom, um, doing questions, preparing for board exams right now. And then whenever things kind of open back up for the hospitals or open back up for medical school, then we'll go back and finish some of our clinical stuff. So it's it's a different experience right now, but um, I think we're lucky that we can actually do some things virtually and still, you know, do everything we need to do to get our license. So pretty fortunate. And do you have any sense from your school about when you might be able to get back in the hospital or back up to campus? Yeah. So the plan right now and the plans, you know, obviously the targets keep moving, but um, the plan right now is for us to go back on June 8th. Okay. Um, We'll have an exam around that time and then we'll try to get as much clinical work in before we technically start fourth year. Okay. Yeah. Well, the one good thing is this is giving you a break from the end of your life. Because if anybody doesn't know about <laughs> med school, like you're, you're, actually your fourth year is apparently sort of easier and then your residency, you're just Yeah. You're yeah, the fourth year you get, you get some time off to, to quote unquote, like schedule for right. stuff like that. But it's supposed to be the kind of calm before the storm. This is, this is the glamour of becoming a physician. Well done. Okay. Well, congratulations on that part. That's actually a big step. And uh, thank you. I appreciate that. But, but as you know, there's a, we're hosting a virtual competition of all the high school teams that have ever participated in Texas. And we are at the championship. So that voting is open as we speak. Um, and your team from Baytown Sterling in 2007 will be facing the 01 um, Baytown Sterling team actually not will but is that yes. uh, that polling is open. So um, I, given that, let's start with your recollections first of all of that final season in '07 because that you 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 won the MVP, your team won the state championship, and then it obviously propelled you into a career in college. But what is your recollection of that particular season, if you have any? Well, I, I think. Like, it'd be hard for me to talk about 2007 without talking about 2006, because the year before that, 
it was basically that entire 2017 team with Austin and Dan and who are our two seniors who had left. But we weren't able to actually play in the final. We lost to Cy Creek in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was tough because I had broken my arm. I was gone basically most of the year. So I came back for the, the state tournament and wow. I essentially wasn't the same. And there was some, I, if I remember correctly, there was some like controversial calls in that game, but whatever. Cy Creek won fair and square for sure. Um, and then Austin actually wasn't able to play um, in the tournament. He had like a health issue that he was dealing with. And so like two of our top players were not the same or not, not able to play. And I feel like that team was actually better than the 2017. Really? Yeah, I, I personally feel like that 2016 was better. We just you know, just unfortunate that we weren't able to play at full strength at the right time. Yeah. But I think losing that tournament, you know, not being healthy really kind of um, whenever we thought we would have had a good chance kind of propelled us into the next year. I I felt like everyone was really focused. We were really close knit. Uh, You know, uh, Coach Coach Slay and TJ were – you know, really great coaches and prepared us for, for all the games. I, th- I felt like we had a really, it, was, it felt like a pretty smooth season and we, and we were all pretty much laser focused on like what we wanted to get done. So it was, it was really satisfying. Right. So, so that season, I don't know if it, you, you call it smooth and that's interesting because I'm wondering if there were any particular highlights because a lot of seasons are, you know, they're, they're roller coasters with yours. It sounded to me, it was like almost predictable. Well, I think, you know, the, the year before us, there was a lot of talent that had left, right? Like with, with um, the two Austins, Austin Oliver, Austin DeLong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I believe Side Creek won that year, and that was yeah. a really solid team. So I felt like, you know, this is our time. Like if, if there's any time for us to win, we had kind of, you know, not really personally lived up to our expectations from my freshman year all the way through our junior year. Right. Um, so this was just like, you know, let's, let's get this done. I, I feel like – it, it, I didn't feel like my high school career would have been complete without actually winning the state championship. Cause ultimately like, that's why we practiced in the summer, right? That's why we did swimming. That's why we did all these things throughout the year was, was for the state championship, not right. necessarily to play in college or, or to go on to have college careers that ended up being a result of that. But I think we really have always wanted to put the banner up and that was, that was our goal from the beginning so right. those those teams between 06 and 07 um i obviously was not here so uh, I'm, I'm not terribly familiar with them but they're apparently just loaded with talent what what can you tell us about the other guys on either one of those teams who were the who are the standouts what do you remember about them yeah um so 06 senior the seniors austin austin oliver um first of all we all grew up together like we've all literally been playing with each other since i was in elementary school or junior high like we we had known each other for so many years um so we were all pretty close and like brothers um but uh yeah austin he is he was our our main two meter man he has the the most amazing backhand i've ever seen um he is strong he's a he's a good defender he's smart he's a really good passer um, has really good vision. Um, he's just an excellent all-around player, and that kind of proved out when he was in college when he was putting up pretty solid numbers um, at Occidental. Um, uh, the other senior was uh, Dannon. 
Dana Ponder. He, uh, he's, you know, got some length. He's got some height. He's fast. He, he can shoot the ball. He's a reliable, he's a really good, reliable defender. He kind of gets under the skin of the other team because he, he likes to, <laughs> he likes to, uh, to mess around a little bit. Um, but he, he's an awesome teammate. Um, and he was a really good player for us. Um, obviously, um, Matt Chapa, fast, quick, athletic, can get up, um, knows. I feel like him and I, we had played with each other for a long time as well. So we kind of knew where each of us were going, uh, like at all times. Like you kind of just know, if I get a steal, I know Matt's gone. Like I know where he's going, right? Like he's just, he's up the court in, in a flash and you just kind of, Get, get it out to him, outlet to him as fast as you can so he can finish. He's a really good finisher as well. Uh, Stevie, I know Coach Mack talked about um, his growth <laughs> from uh, kind of being, uh, you know, a, a, a chubbier kid, um, but he really grew from, from sophomore year till junior year. That was the big transition where he really grew, and he was kind of learning his body the junior year. So he was kind of learning, like, you know, what was comfortable for him, I think. And then by the time senior year came around, he was able to fill in for Austin as our like really solid dominant two meter presence. He was on the post. Um, you could essentially, if I was playing the four spot, right? You like, I don't know what the numbering system is now, <laughs> um, but if I was playing the four spot on six on five, essentially where I'm on the left post, but I'm, I'm the, the guy that has the ball up top. Yeah. Um, and if I rotate towards the middle and Stevie's on that two post, like if, if, if players are coming to me, I give it to him. If, if players are coming to me and they're crashing to Stevie, Matt is at the one and I throw it to Matt and he, he, he scores really quickly. Like, so it was just like a, like, it was a really uh, fun experience to have a, a really close connection with people and kind of, you know, be able to fill in positions and, and uh, make passes and know that you can play defense all together and everyone's on the same page. Like it was just kind of like, like poetry in motion almost sometimes. Nice. Like it, was, it was fun. And we'll, we'll, we're gonna come back to this, but these are all teammates from Viper Pigeon as well, right? So Viper Pigeon didn't start until after, yeah, it didn't start until after I graduated high school. We were actually mm -hmm. Dirty Bay first. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, we're the, the Dirty Bay Buccaneers. Um, and we, the first time all of us played together in a, in a tournament, like a pretty big tournament, was actually Speedo Cup when I was in seventh grade. Wow. So, but we had been playing locally since I was in third grade or something like that. We've been playing in the Jalapeno League tournament. I remember everyone wanted, wanted to be the Hot Peppers. So, <laughs> and these and, and these guys on your Sterling team were essentially on that same club yeah. program. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you you've learned you basically had a, a system in place before you even got there. And um, one of the commonalities between all of this is Scott Slay, and um, mm -hmm. we've had conversations with him. Obviously, he was there basically from the point at which you started playing until you left. Is that more or less correct? Yeah, like some of my earliest memories are when I first started summer league swimming and I started water polo that same year was with Scott. He was he was always there for us and he was always involved um, in our development. And 
he, I think the thing that is really awesome about him is that he really focuses on developing young players. I, like, you can't say that enough. You can't just have, you can't just have a good high school team without having good players to continually develop to bring into that high school. So I think that was something that he was really good at. Um, and that's what uh, ultimately allowed us to be successful. He's had a ton of success, obviously, and um, had played in college as well. So I'm now I'm, I'm curious about how his role and just the general process of you getting to USC. So Texans in general are sort of dispersed in the schools across the country, but not really to USC, not, not terribly often. So I'm wondering how, how does that happen? You're in your senior year, you know that you're having a successful season, is USC contacting you? Are you contacting them? What do you remember about that process? So generally, it all starts like with the national team, right? So Scott, Scott was always a proponent for us to go to California and go train as much as we can and go try out for the national team. Um, and so I, I had made a few of the like the select teams and the 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 what are they called the youth teams and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I had. I had, you know, relatively decent exposure um, to some college coaches. Um, and then you kind of just get stuff in the mail. Like people will send you stuff in the mail. Uh, you fill out like your swim times and you fill out like your interests and stuff like that. I don't remember exactly what the, the mail was. It's probably email now or probably some <laughs> Zoom meeting now. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like an old man. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you get the letters in the mail, you fill them out and then, uh, and then you start contacting the coach like sometimes uh i think i think there was like a list on usawaterpolo.com or something like that yeah. and they had a list of all the college coaches and their emails and so you would i would personally just go down the list of schools that i was interested in and i would send them an email and if they responded if they didn't they didn't like it's kind of you kind of have to put in the legwork especially being from texas you, you have to show your interest for them to even have an interest in you. Sometimes they don't even know who you are, right? So you have to put yourself out there. And that's kind of, that was kind of my, uh, my thing uh, of trying to get into USC. And then in terms of USC specifically, um, my senior or my, so between my junior and senior year of high school, my national team coach was Robert Lynn. And Robert Lynn, a, a USC alum uh, and so he he did a like coach Lynn was pretty influential in like fixing a lot some of my like um, uh, technique issues stuff like that like he, he helped tweak some of my game a lot that kind of I think kind of helped me from junior to senior year as well um, but he I think he put in a good word for me with, with coach Bobich and um, that helped me a lot, but I think I don't want to discredit like Scott's influence. I think Scott allowed me to play in California a lot more than a lot of other kids may have been allowed to play. Right. Like, I think he allowed me to, to, to have that exposure um, and, and to, and to gain that experience away from the Texas club. Right. And he was, he was totally, for me always trying to improve my game. And, and so that was, that was super influential. 
Um, just for trivia's sake, Robert Lynn was my high school teammate. He's the smartest water polo player I've ever seen. Like yes. He, he, and he's a very interesting fella. So he's yes. very, very interesting. But man, oh, yes. man, that guy knew what was going to happen four steps in advance. Yeah, he, he is amazing. Um, and he also, he had like this system that he would run, like this Hungarian system. It was like every day you were doing the exact same thing. And you were building on specific basic skills every single day. Um, and I thought that was, that was really cool. Um, and something that I kind of tried to do whenever I would leave the summer, I would, I would leave the, the U.S. water polo team and talk with, with some of our coaches. And we would kind of just try to start doing some of the stuff that they were doing. So it was pretty, it was cool to learn from, from, uh, from Coach Lynn. He was, he was awesome. Yeah, he, he played overseas for quite a while. And from my last, well, um, well, not last, but a conversation I had with him about a decade ago, he just relayed how when he was playing in France, one of his uh, coaches was Serbian, and that guy essentially became his guru. So he learned everything from, I don't, mm. I don't recall the name, but from that guy. He was coaching Harvard-Westlake at the time. Okay. And yeah. One of the times that I saw him. And I watched it, and I'd been out of the game for a while, so things had changed. But his offense, I remember talking to him afterwards, and we're like, your offense is so boring. It meaning he's basic, and all he was doing was probing for openings, right? So the ball get, gets passed them back and forth between three and four, three and four, three and four, and then there might be a slight drive and some place to clear out, you know. And that was it. And he talked about how his coach was really into simplicity and and uh, finding these gaps that that the defense was going to allow you to have. It was really fascinating stuff. Anyway, yeah. No, you, and, and to add to that, even on like six on five, like just kind of like, like you were saying, probing for openings and kind of just, it's like these like micro movements, like yeah. just kind of like filling in the, that space. And then once that space opens and once you fill it in, like how are people reacting to you? And from that reaction, you, you know exactly what to do, whether to pass or whether to shoot um, or whether to fake. So Right. And I, I thought it was pretty cool. And having your toes pointed the correct direction and yes. your hand sculling in the right direction and yeah. all the, yeah, it's a, that, that and even the way you hold the ball up, like he had a very specific, like you start with the ball in front of you, you pick it up from underneath, you bring it around and then you like, he had a very, like every day in practice, that's what, that we would do that for like 10, 15 minutes. Wow. So really was, interesting. Yeah. So that actually gave you a bit of a leg up. And then, so here's a quote that I found from the Baytown Sun back in the day. It said um, that you could have picked an easier place to play than USC, which you chose over California, uh, other schools from California, Occidental, Santa Clara, Stanford, and LMU. Is that accurate? Uh, I did not get into Stanford. Mm -hmm. But the other schools... I don't, I think I got into Santa Clara. I think I did, but I know I definitely got into LMU. Okay. Uh, that's actually, I got into LMU pretty early um, on in senior years. So that was, it's also nice to have like kind of a team that was really good at the time. LMU was really good. And yeah. I, I really liked the, the school and the coaches and the campus. Um, and then USC kind of came on later, like after the season. Um, and I went, to, I made a visit to USC in November. And that's when I was like, okay, this is, this is where I want to be. But they, they yeah. yeah. Oh, I was going to say they, like we, I actually went to a junior day, which was kind of weird because it was all junior people. So I didn't really know them, but I was just there with, I went with my mom and 
we visited the campus, we saw a game, we met some of the players. And it, like, it was really cool because I knew some of the players like, like Borisov was one of my, one of my good friends from the team. Um, he'd, he, him and his dad have always been super supportive of me because a lot of times people from, you know, from California, at least before getting into USC, they, they kind of thumb their nose at Texas water polo and like they, they, they don't really, they, they kind of make it harder for you than it would be for, for some other kids. Um, but I, I felt like having that USC connection with, with, uh, Devin Borisov and, and his dad and, and, uh, they they were always supportive of me and I felt like, you know, if I go to this school, I know that I'll have someone in my corner and a friend and like someone who can help me out. So that was pretty cool as well. Well, let's get into that. That's super interesting. So um, as we've mentioned, you know, Texans are considered something. We don't know exactly what. So when you show up, like, you know, you're on the team and you're, you're, you redshirt the first year. So what is it that you're actually doing in your freshman year? I went to, as a freshman, you kind of, so when you're redshirting, you're learning the system. That's right. the key thing. And so I would, I learned the system, which was something that was a little bit foreign to me in terms of having to learn like specific plays and stuff like that, um, which was interesting. Uh, so I was learning the system and then also obviously getting in shape. Um, but the thing that was also required of us or something that helped us learn or helped me learn in particular was we filmed the games and as as you film the games you had to narrate them mm. and so like as because like every game is taped and then Jovan would watch every game after that and then he would even comment on your narration if you were being if you <laughs> if you weren't doing a good job right but um yeah so I think that kind of helped me learn the system and and um kind of get up to speed because you have to know where every player is, what their numbers are, obviously, but like where they're supposed to be and where they're going. Um, and obviously you're, you're reporting on the results of the play and all that. But um, it, I think that that was pretty, pretty cool and something that I was, you know, at first I was like, oh man, we have to do this. But then you realize, okay, I'm actually, I'm actually learning and this is, right. this is fun. Um, so yeah, freshman year, you're doing that. I went to all the practices. You're, you're practicing against the first team. Um, all the time like you're you're involved um it's not like red shirt year you're just kind of sitting around um it's it's basically everything but the game god well that's what i was going to get at right so you're you're actually in the pool for your freshman year even though you're redshirting because you're training with everybody else what are your recollections um about that you know those first practices like there's a there's that first you know, I don't know if you have hell week, you've got a couple of weeks where you're basically exposing yourself to everybody else on the team. What are your recollections about what their impressions were of you having come from a, a place that does not necessarily produce all these uh, as many yeah. players? Uh, one of the things I remember in particular was, yeah, we came in and did like a hell week, but um, because I was from Texas, there was some rule. I don't know if they still have it, but if you didn't live within like 50 miles of the school, then you couldn't participate in the summer activities. Mm. And so a lot of the freshmen who were able to participate in some of those summer activities kind of had a leg up because they're from LA. Right. Um, and so I remember coming in and being like, okay, I wish I'd had the opportunity to, to do something this summer, right? So that I could 
that I could come in and try to contribute, but it just didn't seem like it was in the cards and I felt like I was a little bit behind. Mm. Um, but the team itself, I felt like almost automatically people were, were really receptive of me. Um, they were really, really nice, um, helpful. Particularly, like a lot of the freshmen that I was with, like we we really bonded pretty pretty quickly. Um, I was lucky that I had actually one of my best friends um, from my water polo career in Michael Rosenthal, um, who I was rooming with, um, and so we had known each other since eighth grade, ninth grade, or something like that. So there was a lot of familiarity on that team, and like I said, with the Borisovs and meeting all those guys like I feel like everyone was pretty um receptive and and awesome to me to be honest so um, and Ro- Rosenthal's from Miami so you're suggesting yeah and so you're suggesting basically that the rest of the team including him you never got any eye rolls or nobody was ever criticizing like you don't know what the hell you're doing any of that um I'm I'm sure I did some, some <laughs> stuff. Like, I'm not gonna say I didn't. I don't. Nothing really sticks out like okay. as a, a sore thumb. Like That's there's great. nothing. Yeah, nothing really sticks out as to where, um, like yeah. I mean, every like that's the thing. Everyone gets yelled at so much. Like it's not <laughs> like it, it doesn't. And it and I will say, it's honestly like, it's kind of good in a way. Like I feel like now if I if I were to mess up doing something like. If somebody yells at me, it doesn't affect me the same way as it would maybe someone else who's never really right. dealt with that type of personality. So I feel like right away you get you kind of get yelled at. Like it's just part it's par for the course. Like it's just kind of what happens. <laughs> and so, you, you get over it. Sometimes some some things will be said that get under your skin, but for the most part, like you you know what to expect. <laughs> Yolan has made med school just a cakewalk for you. (laughs) Essentially, yes. Okay, so, uh, and then then just if you could, now that you look back on that, what do you think you were prepared for and what were you not prepared for when you started playing at USC? Um, So prepared for, I was was in shape. I was ready to go, um, at least swimming-wise. I think... One of the things I, I probably could have done that summer before or even a few years before was really get into the weight room. Like these guys were not only bigger than me in terms of height, but they're also significantly stronger. And that's something I, I needed to work on uh, for sure. Uh, I think the concepts of the plays were pretty easy to understand. Um, some of the defensive plays were a little bit more intricate than I had ever really dealt with before. But I think in general, like the concepts were pretty, were pretty solid and they, they're, they always harken back to fundamentals. So like you can kind of figure it out, but just kind of memorizing the plays and, uh, and like really getting into the playbook is something I'd never really needed to do. Like we, we, we didn't really have a, like a huge playbook in, high school or even on like the national team, like you just kind of, you had a system, like you kind of played off of feel more or less rather than playing off of like very rigid, like this is the play we're running right now. Right. Like rather than just like figuring out what side the two, the two man's on, like the the whole man is on, you're actually maybe that whole guy is being a decoy now and you're running like a a pick on this side and then you're running like a, a, like a drive on the other side. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's just a lot 
it's a lot more to kind of digest and a lot more to kind of understand. Um, and it's just a lot faster. So it took me, it took me some time to kind of get uh, a full grasp of, of those concepts and, and, and um, be able to apply them. So, okay. Um, let's move on. So 2009, you're a redshirt freshman. Um, mm -hmm. and what's curious is that you were there with St. Mark's, um, Michael Shashua. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing yeah. that correctly. Yeah. Shashua. Yeah. Yeah. Shashua. Does that, it, it, does the fact that there's another Texan there make much of a difference? I mean, you'd obviously establish friendships with other people anyway, but did that matter to you at all? Yeah, of course. I, Michael Shashua, had, I've known him obviously for a while before that as well. So we were, we were good friends. And so it's, it's always, I would say it's always good to have people that you know and like and can trust um, who are around you. And he, like, he was a, a really good teammate and a, and a good friend. And I was really happy to have him around for sure. That was my conversation with former Texas Player of the Year, Zane Bilal, and, uh, but we're done. A couple of reminders to share with you before we get out of here. Um, the Coaches to Coaches Weekly is coming up again. Um, and then we'll send out this uh, Bilal interview to every one of our donors today. And so look for that for in, in your inbox. Um, and then also be sure to contact us about our future interest in programs, uh, in the best programs in Texas high school history. Yeah, there you go. It's, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And the coach, coaches, it's going to be at 1230 p.m. every Thursday. And then we have the town hall meeting on every Tuesday evening at 630 p.m. Okay. Um, I guess I should actually attend that one tonight. I'll try, to, I'll try to remember. Thank you, Joe. I think we're done. All right, James. Uh, take care. Very good. Thanks to you. Thanks to Zane for taking the time to talk to us. And thanks to all of you for listening and telling a friend about the TX Water Flow podcast. You can find us on txwaterpolo.com and uh, you'll find all kinds of stuff there. So um, make sure you do that. Make sure, if, again, continued thanks to all of our donors. So you can always go there to contribute. We're trying to expand our coverage as you can tell, but until next week, so long from Austin. Of TWP Sports LLC. My dog is scratching at the door. Uh, right I can hear him.